Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Fellowship, the, the word, it's, it's a very broad term. And I think as Christians, um, it's one of those words that rolls off our tongue. Um, and you don't really think too much about what it means. Um, other words that we use in Christian circles, I don't know, it comes to mind the movie The Castle, if you're familiar with that. Uh, one of the sons asks, um, uh, in the trading post, they've got a, a pulpit. What's, what's that? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so in Christian circles, we know what that is. Um, com- communion we, we shared this morning, it's, it's common to us. Um, and luncheon, I don't know, can, can anyone tell me what the difference between lunch and a luncheon is? I'm, I'm not really sure. No. <laughs> it's one of those words. But So the word fellowship, it's really talking about us as a collect, collective group of people with a common interest. Um, but in life, we're involved in lots of things like that, many groups with common interests. Um, at work, we share a common interest to get the work done. Uh, in craft groups, playing sports, uh, or following a footy team, uh, you're a part of a fellowship. Um, I'm sure if you're a Richmond sh- supporter, uh, I think there's a couple in here, um, you could attest to this. Um, two weeks ago, you would have been at the peak of your excitement after winning the grand final. Um, but at some point between then and now, that excitement's probably died down a bit. Um, and, th- and then the question is, then what? Um, is that all there is till next time? If there is a next time? Um, the, these communities and fellowships um, outside here um, have something missing. Uh, even fellowships like Lions and Rotary and things like that, they have a great mission, positive influence in society. But as Christians, we know that missing something is Jesus. So with that in mind, um, the best way I can describe what a fellowship um, at church means to me is that we're a community of sinners uh, just trying to navigate our best way in life, uh, supporting and spurring each other on. Um, and it means doing that together. So we can't be in fellowship unless we spend time together. So back to that footy example before. Um, if, you've, uh, if you've been to a big footy game at the MCG or somewhere like that with 50,000 or more people, you know what I mean when I say the atmosphere is contagious and you can get swept up in the excitement. Um, now on the flip side, it's a completely different atmosphere if you're watching that same game on the TV in your lounge at home. Uh, sure, you might yell and cheer at the TV. Um, guilty. Uh, but more often than not, you're probably watching with a couple of other fans or you're sitting there on your own while the rest of the family is probably in another room laughing at all your yelling or uh, rolling their eyes. <laughs> so it's fair to say that, fellowsh- that the fellowship you experience at home is not nothing like you experience in real life or with a group of people. Um, and it's the same for us in our worship of God. You, you could be at home watching an inspiring sermon on TV, but you don't get the opportunity um, 
to share and encourage one another like you do when you're at church or in a life group. To me, fellowship's about participation. It's hanging out with each other, uh, getting involved and helping out where needed. Not just turning up on a Sunday and then heading off as soon as the message is over. Uh, we've, we've had so many examples uh, in the legacy videos the last few weeks where people have said they just get in and help out where needed. And I find, personally, it's such a privilege to help out and to be used by God in ways I would never have imagined. This morning's probably one of those examples. <laughs> uh, yeah, get, getting yourself out of your comfort zone, but, but also um, through this growing and developing gifts. Um, through helping out, I get to know other people. They get to know me, and we grow together. So for some, it might be out of their comfort zone, but for, for us to get the most out of fellowship, um, we need to open up be honest, um, and sometimes that might mean feeling a bit vulnerable as well. Um, I love Damien's uh, communion talk a couple of weeks ago, and he just openly shared about some personal family struggles, um, and through opening up, we all draw closer together. Um, we feel we can share more about each other and support each other. So, yeah, to me, fellowship really means getting alongside each other, um, meeting each other where we're at, and being an active part of uh, this church community. Excellent. Thank you so much, Gary. Give him a hand. I love hearing different perspectives from different people. It certainly does draw us closer together. Hannah's got something to share with us this morning, and I can't wait. Take it away, Hannah. I just, Abe, I need some technical help. (laughs) The kids were playing with the iPad. Oh, I found it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. All right. So, thank you, Gary. That was awesome. Um, when Pastor Peter asked me to share around fellowship, the first words that popped into my head were family and food. So, I, um, I grew up in a family that has a lot of European influence. So, if you've seen my big fat Greek wedding, then you have basically witnessed my extended family. They're loud and it's fun, it's fierce, fast, there's always friction and did I mention it's really loud. (laughs) My mum's one of nine children, her parents migrated to Australia after the war, so family gatherings are really big. I have eight aunts and uncles, 21 first cousins, 21 second cousins and this doesn't include any of the in-laws that have been added to the equation over the years. Abe's one of those and he fits right in because you heard me mention that it's loud and there's food. (laughs) So, at any one family gathering, you can expect to witness lots of cheek kissing, um, hugging, large piles of delicious food, misunderstandings, laughter, tension, a wide variety of opinions, kids, games and love and loudness. (laughs) Um, Without wanting to be disrespectful to my family, the above description is really true, but don't be fooled by my romantic notions While all I said is real, there are also so many stories among each individual member that includes dysfunction, heartbreak, brokenness, loneliness and loss. But despite so many painful seasons, they choose to love one another and have each other's backs. They've shown me what it looks like to actually physically hold someone up when they can't hold themselves up. They've shown me what love can do no matter how broken a relationship may seem. And they've also shown me that because they are connected and choose to share life's journey together, they always have hope. 
So I just want to jump back to my big fat Greek wedding. It's like movie morning, isn't it? The castle, big fat Greek wedding. Um, Has anyone seen it? For those of you who haven't, the grandfather of the family, George, is incredibly proud to be Greek. He loves to say, give me a word, any word, and I'll show you that the root of that word is Greek. At one stage in the movie, he describes how the Japanese word kimono, have I said it right? No. Sorry, thank you. (laughs) Has a Greek root. Funnily enough, I was reading the Bible this week and the footnote in my Passion Translation referred to the Greek root word for fellowship and it made me think of the movie. (laughs) The scripture was 1 John 1.3. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about this life giver so that we may share and enjoy this life together. For truly our fellowship with the Father and with his son Jesus, the anointed one. I can just imagine George, the grandfather, describing this Greek root word. And um, I really wanted you to capture what I was imagining, so I've got a little clip for you to watch. It's like we're a family at the movies. Uh, I I was thinking uh, last night, uh, the night before my my daughter going to marry Ian Miller, that, um, you know, the root of the word Miller is a Greek word. and Miller comes from the Greek word Milo, which is mean apple. So there you go. <laughs> as many of you know, our name Portokalos has come from the Greek word Portokali, which means orange. So, okay, uh, here tonight we have uh, apple and orange. Uh, we all uh, different, but uh, in the end, uh, we all fruit. <laughs> that grandfather, George, is act like, if you were to imagine my grandfather who's passed away, that is exactly how he spoke. So when I watch this movie, I just lose it. It's so funny. So anyway, getting back onto topic, um, the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, I think that's how you say it. Um, This word means to have something in common, to be in partnership, to have a deep connection, to have unity and closeness. Fellowship is all about the connection and relationship we have with one another because of the connection and relationship we have with Christ. When I choose to connect with Jesus and grow my relationship with him, he encourages, comforts and builds me up and this is exactly what he wants us to do for one another. He calls the church to encourage, comfort and build one another up. James 5.13 says, are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? Encourage them to pray. Are there any happy, cheerful ones among you? Encourage them to sing out their praises. So what does fellowship actually look like? I don't think it's just church on a Sunday or coffee and a biscuit after the service or life group every second Wednesday. While all these things are really important, it's so much more. I know that in some of the most challenging seasons of my own life when I've really been struggling to keep Jesus in focus because the stress of my situation has been so loud, God has always, always used his people to touch me. And often it's just looked like a text message or maybe the songs that the worship leader um, chose to sing that morning. 
it's um, when we have dinner with friends and I can't stop laughing or the gift that's been left randomly at my front door or just a post that someone in this congregation has decided to share to the Facebook group or, simply, or as simple as a smile from someone across the room. The most powerful times of fellowship I've ever experienced have often been when the other person didn't even realise how, how, impact, how impactful their actions or words were to me and how God used them to bless me. Fellowship doesn't mean we're all best friends and that we invite the entire church over for Sunday lunch, but it does mean that when we invest time and intention into our relationship with God, when we do this, we start to see and experience our own worlds differently. We start to operate in an overflow and that overflow touches other people's lives. When we're obedient to what God asks of us, he will use us to bless his people. So, this week... Spend some time with God. Send a text message to that person that's on your mind. Pat someone on the back who's having a hard time. Pray for the people in our church. Laugh and celebrate over coffee with a friend. And focus on the goodness that fellowship shines into your life. Because, the goodness, because that goodness will shine beyond yourself and God will use it to bless his people as we fellowship with him and one another. And like George said in the clip... Some of us are apples, some of us are oranges, we probably even have some bananas here today and we're all in a fruit bowl together or in other words, we're all connected to God's great big family because of his great big love and fellowship is where we share the joy of that connection together. Um, when, when Pete called me as well, there was a similar pause that Gary had. Um, and it's a bit, you know, you go, oh, what am I going to talk about? But the process is, is so cool when you um, intentionally spend time looking at something and trying to prepare something. So, side note, if Pete calls you up, I encourage you to um, say yes and um, just call what comes out of it. Um, fellowship to me is all those things that, that have been said already. Um, worshipping God together, hanging out, um, coming under the word, serving um, supporting and being supported and um, and it's fantastic and I, I love it so much I love being able to call this church my family and belonging here um, when I was thinking about it my thought process kind of changed to uh, some things God have, has been I think trying to talk to me and tell me or just weighing on my heart but I haven't been able to put my finger exactly what it was on what it was um, and so I was trying to identify what is what is fellowship. Um, is it is fellowship for me at the moment too convenient and too comfortable? Uh, what what makes fellowship different from a social club or any other group, and what makes it distinctly Christian? I, I found some really cool podcasts and some articles that I read. Um, Amos and Kat are away, so I had heaps of time, and that was that was also really a bit of a luxury. Um, but this podcast in particular brought me back to Romans 12 and that was, that was exciting to read through that but I still had a question of, of why, why fellowship and what is, what's driving it. Uh, and in the first verse um, I found a critical motivation which I think maybe I've been overlooking or it's been missing in my view of fellowship. And Romans 12 verse 1 says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God. And it's that word, by the mercies of God, which um, Paul's referring to the, 
previous 11 chapters. Uh, that, that culminates in this, in this chapter 12. And chapters 1 to 11, they paint a picture of God's mercy. In like a really brief snapshot, verse, uh, chapters 1 to 3 talks about, I'm a sinner, I'm under the wrath of God and I deserve judgment. Later on in chapter 3, um, judgment is poured out on Jesus. In chapter 5, I'm justified by faith alone and there's nothing that I can do to earn salvation. In Romans 6, we see we've got victory in Christ and I'm dead to sin and alive in Christ. In Romans 7, we sort of take a backspin and, and there's a continuing struggle uh, with sin. We do what we don't want to do and we don't do what we do want to do. But it's followed by Romans 8, which says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It goes on, I'm set free in Christ Jesus and nothing can separate us from the love of God. When uh, My attitude changes when those first few words, the mercies of God, or by the mercies of God, become my motivation for fellowship. And then Romans 12 is, is packed full of commands, which if, if you read them in, in isolation, it's do this and do this, and they sound good, but when they're motivated by God's mercy, it sounds like this. Because of God's mercy, we belong to each other. We're not connected by age or interest or political persuasion or preferences. Um, we are, Christ is enough to unite us. It breaks down barriers and diver in diversity we have unity because of God's mercy. Uh, verses 4 to 5. For as one body we have many members and the members don't, don't have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually we're members of one another. The second part, because of God's mercy... We're gifted by God to serve one another in the church. Everybody's got a purpose, and it's because of God's mercy. And because of God's mercy, we can see value in everybody. Everyone has a function. The third part was um, we is loving one another in fellowship. And because of God's mercy, again, uh, we have a different kind of love, and that's the, the agape love, the sacrificial love. Um, not self-satisfying or self-serving or what can I get of it, but loving um, just because God's loved me. Again, because of God's mercy, we care for one another. We're devoted to each other. Uh, in verse 10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection. And so we, we called to have that love that we have for our family. Uh, even the weird cousins, they're still your family. And... Um, we care for them, we're devoted to them. And I think that's also what makes Christians stand out from the rest of the world, that we can care for and look after people that are um, totally different from us, but we all come together. Uh, there's a few more. Because of God's mercy, we honour one, one another. Genuine appreciation and admiration, and we're putting others first. I love verse 10 where it says, Outdo one another in showing honour. Because of God's mercy, we motivate one another to passionately serve and worship God. Uh, be fervent in spirit. And I think fervent in spirit in the Greek uh, is, is kind of literally boil in spirit. So let that bubble up and we're spurring each other on. Because of God's mercy, we share with one another um, generously and hospitality. That's hard. I think that's really hard to do and to invite people to your home. Um, and it's not. You don't have to do that all the time, but to show that hospitality and to do something outside of your comfort zone because of God's mercy. Uh, and again, because of God's mercy, rejoice, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. Uh, and lastly, we bear with one another because of God's mercy. 
if it wasn't for that, we would we'd pick our, our friends and would probably stay like that. But we put up with people that are different because of what God has done for us. And I love that God's mercy, to me, changes the way that I, I saw fellowship. It takes on a new meaning and value, and it's beyond what I get out of fellowship. And it becomes a way of expressing my thankfulness and my worship to God. Wow. Are you guys enjoying this this morning? So much gold. Thank you so much, Adrian. Rhonda. Hi. Hi, I'm Rhonda. Uh, my family and I are out at Port Sorrel, and uh, we're actually pretty new there. We've been in the Port Sorrel area for a year now, and uh, we've been very grateful and blessed by the fellowship shown to us from the Port Sorrel campus and also the wider LCC family. So thank you. It's lovely to be here this morning. Uh, speaking of new, we've actually probably been new a fair bit in our lives. We've moved around a few times um, with my husband's work. And so when we talk about fellowship or doing life together, sometimes that can actually feel a little bit hard. It can actually feel a little bit daunting, especially as a newbie somewhere. For some of us, when we hear the words and the phrases, fellowship, doing life together, um, we're not sure on how to do this. Uh, sometimes we might be working through insecurity and loneliness. Sometimes we might be a bit anxious. For some of us, it might be a bit of a spiritual gift. And for other of us, it makes us very nervous. Thankfully, Paul, sorry, that's a bit enthusiastic, <laughs> but I was very excited. Paul, thankfully, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 8, uh, addresses this for us. He helps us through this. In the message translation, we read, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would it make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If it was all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. And from verse 25. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church, every part dependent on every other part, the parts we mention, the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters in with exuberance. Just want to jump back to verse 14 where it says, I want you to think about how this makes you more significant not less. Often we can see the less in ourselves, the lack, the what we are not, what we don't know, what we're not skilled or trained in, what we can't do. We see ourselves as less. And when we do, we, without knowing, hold ourselves back from potential relationships with others. Through comparison, we can doubt ourselves. We wonder what we have to offer. We wonder if or how God can use us as a blessing in someone else's life or how to do life together. Now, hear me as I say this out loud. Sometimes we think it's never the lesser he'd use, right? But when you hear me say it out loud, it doesn't sit well, does it? We know that history has shown time and time again that that's not the case. Last week we heard from Pastor Peter 
or you were geeky like me and downloaded it on the app and listened to it again as homework for today. Here you talked about how fellowship is a form of worship, how if we are committed to one another, we are honouring God. We heard Romans 12.10, to be devoted to one another, honouring one another above ourselves. Pastor Peter mentioned how we can be a blessing to one another. It's not about us. It's about how our relationships with others bring worship to God. Again from last week, Philippians 2, 3 to 4, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So how do we move from thinking we don't have much to offer to living and walking in the knowledge that we have a significance, that we can bless others through this? Stepping back a verse in 1 Corinthians 12 to verse 13, we read, For in one spirit we were all baptised into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. So two female slaves, see that convenient segue just dropped in there, I reflect on at times when I'm seeking courage, uh, Shipra and Pura in Exodus 1. Now, I struggle with pronouncing their names, so to me they're known as S&P, because it's a bit like salt and pepper, and they uh, add a bit of flavour to the story. <laughs> we read in Exodus 1, 15 to 21, The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were S&P, When you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him, but if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God. They did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. And the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous. They give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. What encourages me in this passage is that they, as two female slaves, historically and culturally, may have had very little potential for influence. Yet they, through obedience, brought hope to their community. They esteemed others greater than themselves, but not from a place of lacking, rather from a place of significance. Katie Westenberg is the founder of I Choose Brave, and she states, do not underestimate God's ability to work through faithful, God-fearing people who are willing to stand right where they are, use what they have, and do what is in front of them. So something I'm working on is uh, reframing. When I have the nevertheless-er thoughts, it's reframed into nevertheless. See what happened there? Nevertheless meaning in spite of. For me, it's a word of hopeful action and of courage. If you sought to have a phrase to repeat to yourself or the sort to hashtag, it's hashtag nevertheless. So sometimes it's taking a step back, saying to ourselves, something I'm working on at the moment, is they look like they have it all together. I feel like I don't have much to offer. Nevertheless, I can honour them and celebrate with them. I don't know anything about what they're going through. Nevertheless, I can take them a meal and walk alongside them during this time as we worship our sovereign God together. I feel nervous around others or shy in large groups. Nevertheless, I'm choosing to embrace courage and worship God together with others. 
Because back to 1 Corinthians 12, when we step into the bold confidence of knowing that God has placed us carefully right where he wanted us, dependent on one another, hurting and healing with each other, flourishing with each other, we are entering into exuberance with each other. We are in a place of fellowship and of doing life together. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I loved what you had to say, Rhonda. Um, And I hope everybody has got something out of this morning about fellowship. I just have this feeling that I just want to go do it. Like, let's do it right now, right here. Um, We're going to have another song before we actually take a moment afterwards to have some tea and coffee together and to spend some time together. Um, I love that you don't have to have it all together. We're on this journey together. Sometimes that's what it looks like. But thank you so much for the four of you for sharing uh, what fellowship means to you this morning.